You are listening to The Revenue Machine, the podcast dedicated to revenue management in car rental. We have created it to enhance your January zone. I'm Emmanuel Scuto, the founder and CEO of WeYield and a Revenue Machinist. My ambition is to give knowledge and share experience to get inspiration. To do what? To reach a new level of performance, but also to have a better clarity and more freedom in the way you do your job every day. Salut Olivier, welcome. Um, it's good to see you because in fact we don't have so many opportunities to see each other. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it, it, yes, it's during the fair uh, and um, um, and I'm super happy to have you because I think we know each other for how long? 20, I would say 20, maybe 30 years. It was at the Concorde, when I was at the Concorde Lafayette. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you bring me, you know, maybe travel, not 30, but uh, that's, that's... That travel click. So I went there in 2000, no, 20 years. Yes, that's right. I was there in uh, between, uh, no, 97 to, to 2000. So yeah, it's 25 years, man. We know each other for 25 years. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So um, it does make you feel younger, does it? Huh? <laughs> and, um, and you're right because, uh, and, and you're right about the fact that we uh, don't manage to see each other so often because God, we've tried. And I remember that you even managed to come to see us in, in the city of Valencia, where Ford is the headquarters. And I was on a business trip on that very day. <laughs> so man, right. it's, it's been a chaos. <laughs> so yeah, and we met sometime in Paris when we stopped by. Absolutely. And, and usually the good opportunity is during the fair, so that's, uh, that's good. Um, so I propose that you introduce yourself. Oh my God, yes, for <laughs> sure. Uh, so, um, uh, yes, uh, I'm Olivier uh, Jaeger. Um, uh, I'm a French guy, been living in many countries. Um, still a French at soul, I guess, because... You realize you're French because people look at you and say, hmm, you're French. So I say, well, I guess I'm French. I've uh, been living many, many years in Spain. I live in the U.S., I live in the U.K., I live in Luxembourg. I've always uh, loved, uh, I was brought up in Africa. It's always been very, extremely important for me to travel because I think that's the only way to expose yourself, to challenge yourself, to challenge what you think is set, to challenge the your own intelligence you know it's so easy to rely on the words of just one language and assume they cover it all and then you um, you know you you go over a border and then you you met other people meet other people and they use the same same words but it's not saying exactly the same and that is the challenge to who you are and uh, it makes you smarter and i think uh, that's why i love this industry work and and that's why i i think i've i've always been a traveler so I'm getting, uh, yeah, I'm uh, getting uh, to 58 years old and uh, had a long career. I worked very hard and uh, I founded Forward Keys uh, close to 14 years ago now, which uh, again makes us, uh, I think, I'm not sure, 12, 14, but uh, somewhere around there. So I don't want to know. It's just like, you know, by the way, I think I'm 58 for many years to come. Okay, <laughs> I just want to make things clear. And um, so I'm the CEO of Forward Keys uh, and co-founder. And it's a company we started, uh, as I said, some, some years ago, with a huge capital of 5,000 euros. And, well, uh, we are going to discuss yeah, about and, this. Uh, uh, and then, uh, well, project. so many years later, we, we're, we're here. Uh, so I'm married with three kids, and, uh, and I live in the pleasant city of uh, Valencia, Spain. Cool. And you speak ve very well. I mean, you are fluent English, French native, and Spanish as well. 
Yes, yes, yes. And some uh, others? No, no, no. I mean, I've lived in Italy a little bit, but uh, uh, there's some of these languages when you start mixing them up, like Spanish and English, uh, one erases the other one. <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, Spanish and, and Italian. Uh, one ah, erases oui, okay. the other one. You cannot mix those two, it, it doesn't work. However, uh, I've been used to uh, hide my uh, French accent because I'm uh, very French, so uh, very French. And uh, but yes, I, uh, I've been, I've been, yeah. Uh, languages are doing good to me, and I think that when you like traveling, when you like discovering others, and you go to others' culture, it is the minimum of uh, education to try to do the best you can to speak a language which is as uh, as, as good as theirs uh, because you're moving into their ecosystem and you need to make yourself small so that you can uh, hear, listen, feel. And uh, it's important, I think, to speak the languages when you when you live abroad. And I would say that the, 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 the language is a helper for the communication, but also to, to um, step into their culture and make the effort to understand why this guy is behaving this way and etc. That that can also create a specific connection. I remember the first time I've been to Japan, the way you give the business card yeah, yeah. with the two hands. And then, uh, but in, in Korea, it's a different way because you have to put your hand below your elbow. And there is many, and some others, they just give the, the, the business card on the table like this. And uh, if you write on the business card of a Japanese, it's a big problem because you cannot, because usually they have their face on it. So you cannot write on the face of somebody. Uh, uh, this culture also is more than the language. It's also the way we face the different culture. Well, plus the culture is uh, is very difficult to penetrate a culture for real. You know, when people when I hear people say, you know, I'm I'm trilingual. I say, what the heck does that mean? I mean, I'm not even monolingual. I mean, so complicated, so detailed. Uh, it's an art to master a language. So the assumption that you're perfect in three languages it it seems to me such an impossibility. Um, but studying a culture is very complicated. Uh, again, I've been living uh, four years in Barcelona, four years in Madrid. I've been in Valencia for six years. I think I kind of start to scratch the, the depth, if you will, of the Spanish culture, which obviously if you go there for holidays and uh, for cheap beers and sun during the months of August, you would say, well, that's the cold culture. It doesn't seem too complicated. No, it is very complicated um, for lots of reasons, and some of them are completely historical which is uh, they didn't have the, 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 the I would say the, the, the brainwash of, uh, and the, uh, the, 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 the explosion that we had during the Second uh, World War. They escaped to this, so they were kind of shielded and been shielded from the rest of Europe until the late 70s, right? So uh, their inherent intrinsic uh, culture is, is very much there. Uh, and um, and that, that's what makes Spain one of the most uh, fascinating countries in, in Europe, I think, because, because there's, still, there's still a lot of, a, you know, still very genuine culture. Uh, and mm. it's, it's, it's very enjoyable. I mean, we always wonder what makes a destination more interesting than others. And I think we totally underestimate how the people make that destination. You know, we think it's about the postcards, about the museum, about the food. Uh, but essentially, it's about the people. Uh, very simple example. I mean, I always say, what's the difference between Barcelona and Madrid? Uh, which I shouldn't say this, but uh, uh, in Barcelona at uh, 2 a.m. in a club, you have 90%, 95% of foreigners having fun. And in Madrid, uh, you have 90% of Madrid people having fun, plus 10% uh, of foreigners, you know. And, uh, well, that's where you get to know the people, and that's where you get to know the city. Uh, so uh, it, it, being able to interact with the local is uh, and, and, and okay open sophisticate your own radar 
so that you can better understand the people is, uh, I think it's essential. I think it's an objective of life for me, truly. And it's never changed, never, ever. It's always been there. Um, what was the, 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 when you were young, I think you were, you were, you said that you were, um, um, you were born in Africa. And do you think that this experience also, I don't know, how long did you stay there and which country? But did you have this particular, um, let's say, attraction or yeah. spirit with the, the continent, even though I don't know the country? Well, I was not born there, but uh, I think I went there from the age of, uh, oh, I don't want to say, make any mistake, but uh, five, six years old. Um, and the point is that... Uh, Where was it? I, w I lived in Senegal and I lived in Ivory Coast. Okay. And when I was in Senegal, we lived in the middle of nowhere, absolute countryside. Uh, I, would, I would say 20 kilometers away from the second city in Senegal. So here, um, you know, so my, my, my first thought of life somehow are in these absolute brousse, you know, remote uh, places in the middle the of Senegal, <laughs> where I'll, I was the only white kid anyway, and um, and I was going hunting with the local villagers, and uh, and I was, and there were there were snakes in the garden, and uh, you know, so it was it was a different world, uh, and um, you, you you it was hard to walk barefoot at uh, two because the the sun was heating the the sand, and it, you know, so. You educate yourself to, to this, uh, to, to life. I mean, your first, you know, psychologists will always tell you between the age, the age of X and Y. Uh, this is where basically you, you figure out, you, you start figuring out the external world because you're becoming sophisticated enough to understand, you know, beyond your, you know, your, your need for food, your need for poo, your need for your mother. Uh, and you start interacting with the external world. And I feel that uh, this is where it started happening for me. So I think I've been contaminated by this. Um, and like most Europeans that spend their youth in Africa, it's always extremely difficult to come back to Europe and uh, reestablish yourself to the normal world. So if you picture, if you picture my life uh, in the middle of an Africa or, or even in, in, coast, in, in Ivory Coast, in, in Abidjan, where, you know, You go to the beach, uh, it's sunny, you have a boat, you, got, you know, do plenty of things. And suddenly, uh, as I always uh, like to say, uh, you need to change uh, RER at Châtelet at 8 a.m. on the white lights of a, of a French uh, Parisian subway station. I tell you what, it's not the same, you know, <laughs> and you have, to, you have to adapt, yeah. Uh, so uh, I think it. Uh, I think I think whatever happens to you between the age of uh, I'm psychologist say this between the age of uh, two to six to be to be large conditions the rest of your life in a very big way. And I have a teacher. I always used to say, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you marry your neighbor, and your neighbor can be a geographical neighbor or a neighbor or, or, or people that have been through similar uh, experiences because you know that makes you. Uh, twins in life, if you will, when it comes to uh, understand, per, 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 I mean, being open to perception and analyzing things, and uh, so yeah, so it, it is it is a conditioner, and it yeah, has conditioned my my life. It's always been very important. And um, then, when when did you leave? Um, um, I was uh, these countries. I was around 14 years old. Okay, and then the, what was the the the, the scholarship that you follow? Uh, Did you, did you study specific things in terms of, I don't know, marketing, science, uh, uh, engineering? Uh, what, what was your, uh, your profile or the, the career you wanted to you well, enjoy? Or maybe at that time you didn't know anything no, about mean, what you wanted to do? Uh, for me, I never liked school because uh, forcing you into the classroom, telling you to learn things you're not interested in. Uh, so I understand the rationale why we got to do it and plenty of stuff. I just thought it was very boring. And I just, I, I, I just 
didn't like it, but was coping with it like every one of us at the end of the day. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we French have, uh, you know, either you go to business school or you go to engineer school if you're ambitious. I went to a small business school. And uh, what happened before going to school, actually, is that I um, I went to, I mean, after what we call prépa, you know, it was like I uh, basically got admitted in a business school and I, uh, I joined the army for one year, you know. And when I joined the army, I uh, I, uh, I was so bored that I uh, actually became a journalist. Uh, so I bought, uh, you know, in the early days, I bought uh, some of the first Taiwanese computers, uh, the compatible PCs, we call them. So it was not the 8086 anymore, 8088, it was uh, 8286, uh, uh-huh. 12 megahertz. Yeah, that was the star. Probably the very first generation of a hard drive with 10 megs, hard drive. Megs. Yeah, floppy disk and uh, CGA screen. That was color. Yeah, let's be serious. It was color screen. And then I learned about this thing and learned dose. I learned all these things. And uh, and I quickly, I uh, actually became a journalist for some publication that needed uh, yeah, guys to explain why... Uh, why uh, why word perfect is better than word why uh, you know what you can do with a computer uh, uh, how can you print in color and I, I made money with this and I was paying my studies with this yeah so very oh, quickly cool. I ran into some uh, funky machines actually which were printers that you would print on film uh, so basically in order to get the perfect picture at the time it was impossible to get a perfect picture with a computer why because the out the the, the output was impossible there was no high-resolution printing machine. Mm-hmm. There was no high-resolution screens. So therefore, how do you get a perfect image? Well, on film. So basically, there were printing machines that were able to print on the film. It could be 4x5, could be a 24, 36. Uh, and then you get the perfect image. Ah. And obviously, the usage of this was twice, was either for photo retouching. It was the very early beginning of photo retouching because you can touch, modify a picture on a, on a computer, print it on the 4x5, and then inject that in a traditional uh, printing business. Or you could use it to do PowerPoints because it was the only way to, have to get perfect images of your uh, graded, uh, shaded background with your pie chart in the middle, the doctors and the like. So I created a company distributing this. Oh. And we were successful doing this. So that was also the, your first entrepreneurship yeah, yeah. Uh, was, uh, experience? My, my second year of business school. Cool. Yeah, because uh, that was boring. So I was writing articles for the press and I, was, uh, and I, was, and I set up this, this business that uh, lasted a number of years. And uh, one day I woke up and I realized that my, uh, my ambitions was international and that company would never take me anywhere from an international standpoint. And uh, I just moved over. And I continue with journalism, and uh, one day through different publications and different editors, and God, uh, that I dearly remember, but I don't even know where they are, who they are now, uh, introduced me to AOL. And I ended up working with AOL for a couple of years in Paris, helping AOL to figure out how to spread wings in Europe, uh, looking for partners. And uh, AOL ended up um, building a partnership with. Uh, with Bertelsmann, Bertelsmann being a German publisher at the time. Uh, and this is, uh, yeah, anyway, I get ahead of myself, but uh, that was more of a business development, but there were product components, you know, injected into this. And then, then the deal with Bertelsmann happened and they said, hey, now you need to go to Germany. I didn't think that was a good idea. I actually made a plan to go to Montreal. 
that collapsed the very last minute and I ended up in a startup in Luxembourg. There was a startup here, it was a funny, funny story because it was set up by European publishers that were completely scared of the future of the internet because they thought... Oh, they it, had the feeling already there was something huge uh-huh. coming here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ah. it was the 95, or no, no, 90, oh no, it was much ahead of that. Uh, oh no, I would need to find the date, but anyway. Uh, so the likes of Borda, that's another German publisher, uh, Pearson, Financial Times, the time, uh, Matra Hachette, which hardly exists, but they, they, ter- they later built Club Internet, all invested in this s- startup in Luxembourg, which had a Yahoo ambition, kind of. But after a year and a half or so, they stopped financing, and they all went back home and built their own little Club Internet. Yeah, it was a... Uh, But at least it was really, really funny because we saw the beginnings of Netscape, Netscape 1.0, Netscape 2.0. Netscape 2.0 was like a revolution. It came with a frame so you can have a navigation menu, right? It was completely crazy. And then uh, that is how I met the travel industry because in in one of these conferences in Cairo in a plane, I sat behind, you know, by this guy working from Madrid to say, why don't you come and work in Madrid? And I love Madrid, and I've been exposed to Madrid in the past for different reasons. I said, well, yeah, sure, I, I love the idea. So I moved from Luxembourg to Madrid and started working for Amadeus. Okay. And that's how I got into the travel industry. And uh, oh, the Amadeus, uh, that, th- these, these are funky times, okay, because uh, Amadeus was desperate to make a move in the, in the online world because, uh, uh, because Sabre had, a, had an online travel agency, they had Travelocity, Amadeus didn't have a booking engine, so we had to build a booking engine at the time. And uh, oh, I, I passed on the details, but some of them were great, some of them were more, 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 more difficult or, or Amadeus related. Uh, but I ended up being a product manager for a lot of the reservation system and even writing the specs of how should you book a car. I had no idea. <laughs> you know, it's like, I say, hey, you're going to do that. I say, what? He says, check the green screen. I say, what? You know, I have to learn all the command. I have no idea. So I say, okay, now that I don't know the car industry and I don't know how to use a green screen, I'm going to design a web tool. That's no problem, sir. So I did this. And after four years, I really got bored because, um, you know, these big companies, however, Uh, at the time, Amadeus, because I don't know now, but Amadeus was a very um, paternalist company uh, under uh, Tasson. It was uh, great to work with these people. Uh, Mr. Shaikh was my boss, and uh, there's, there's, uh, it was a great family to work with. Uh, but um, when you start working, when you when you bring something to a new to to, to one of these big corporations, because they were always bringing the internet to them. I mean, among others, we were evangelizing, if you will. Uh, they basically ah, suck all your energy and push and pull you everywhere, but they just never learn. <laughs> and I remember after four years in Amadeus, I decided to follow this guy that was creating this crazy startup in Silicon Valley. And I thought, you know, I, I got to have this American experience because, you know, they're the gods over there. I was like, um, and uh, I went to, I traveled to Nice to, you know, say hello and goodbye to some of the guys I've been working with. And I, I get into this office. And this guy is turning his back to me, and he's telling his, 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 his friend, it was in 99, he said, I don't know what the heck we're doing with this, with this internet thing, you know, it doesn't make any sense, what a fucking waste of time. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm glad I'm going. So hey, I love the guys, no hard feeling, but wow, I've used four years of my time trying to evangelize these people, telling them, working, and they, they're not seeing it. Yeah. I remember we had, oh, I can't name these guys that are, 
they were like big consultancy company, you know, some of the big ones, explaining by A plus B how unsustainable the online travel agency uh, concept was. You know, like it was like, what's going on? In the meantime, you know, the, the guys of Expedia, Rich Barton and the like coming say, hey, you guys, we're together on this. You know, we're going to build this well. You know, like it was it was it was intriguing. And and um, so that was something interesting when I, I, I summarize it, there is element of data that was there since the beginning and yeah. a sales also or product let's say in a way i didn't know this part of journalism yeah. the, this uh, this uh, this uh, this uh, the, the way that you like telling stories but i understand also and i it, it gives me some light because you are really a, a guy who likes to to explain and to to give um the perspective on things yeah, and yeah, i like yeah. this approach yeah that's right and, and so th um, if we move further then you You enter it in a company that was super big at that time. I mean, I mean the value you were giving with TravelClick. I remember this because this is the first time we met. When that we was had, later. Yeah. yeah, that was that later. Was but later, yeah. when I, we met and it, I, I was the revenue manager and the director of sales of the Concorde Lafayette, it yeah. even does not exist anymore. Yeah. It's, now, it's a Hyatt. It's still a big tower, 1,000 room property. For sure. But for me, having this kind of data, it was on the web at that time and some reports. It was a big helper in order to fine-tune and get much more um, clarity on some element to adjust our sales action mm. plan. Uh, TravelClick was, uh, was pretty magic at that time for us. Maybe not for you because yeah. you know we are behind no, the no, scenes, no, no, but for, sure. it was. for me it was. Huh? No, I think, uh, um, you know, the, the two founders uh, uh, did a very good job at TravelClick. I mean, they started a, a little bit of a consulting company and they quickly realized, like any guy that's th that gets into consulting, even unless he's a hardcore consultant, realizes that you need to figure out some products if you want to grow that business. And uh, and uh, so, yeah, they started with, uh, they essentially started with, uh, with a little bit of BI and a little bit of media. Yeah. Uh, managed to convince the GDSs that uh, they're on top of a channel, which I think today is, is, is confirmed by the travel tainment and so forth, uh, and that uh, and that they could use and resell their data because they would put this data again in a specific use case which justifies value and did a very good job because I think uh, a lot of businesses such as forward keys are born from that same logic, which is, hey, sir, you have data. You don't know how to use it. It costs, you know, you need to process it. You need to support it. You need to commercialize it. But give it to me. And because on top of that, you need to understand the, the, the need, the use case. If you don't, there's no value. I mean, we've seen in the past, I mean, I'm digressing, but uh, we've seen we've seen every day over the last 10 years, all these companies say, I have data. So what do they do? They hire an analyst and say, hey, Mr. Analyst, figure it out. I have data. Are you sure you're going to? put a product together because, you know, hey, I'm the CEO, I want to make money, so I'm hiring an analyst. So, you think, so obviously the first thing the analyst does is look at the data and say, well, you know, it's not data, it's a sp spaghetti thing, you know, it doesn't make any sense. And uh, so he go back to the CEO and say, well, right now I just can't put the product together because I need to order and sort the data. Later it's going to be perfect, right? But now I need to do it. The guy does that for two years. And then the CEO comes back and say, hey, what are we doing? Say, yeah, yeah but uh, your, your friend from the finance department, your guys from the marketing department, your guys from the supply chain, they don't ask for the data. So not only I have prepared the data on your one, and then I'm trying to serve local needs. And so, oh, the other guys are interested? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, know, you, you guys still need to become a revenue stream. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But maybe I should help uh, finance it because they say we can make money out of this. Okay, okay, we're going to optimize so then we hired two more analysts. So this company, they want to sell data, 
but it took them five years and ten hires to realize that they got to sort their own shit before they can actually figure out to commercialize. And when they get ready to commercialize, they took all their data, put it in the dashboard, and say, hey, that's the data, huh? That, that's worth 10,000. That's worth a thousand, isn't it? And they say, no, no, let me tell you, my business is not this, okay? My business is like that. So, okay. To your turn it up and down yeah, and yeah, to Your data it. could be useful, but you need to connect it to my business. Oh, what, what's your business? No, 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 but my needs are, you know, I'm trying to make a decision. Oh, okay. And then comes what, what our business in BI and data, you and me, is very much that, which yeah. is, okay, let me understand your pain points and let me see how I can collect these data and put together what we call nowadays in forward key smarts, you know, these, that essentially is the right data set that connects to your use case, right? And, and I would add on top also that um, the pain points, if, if we listen to the pain points only, there are many. But then they say, okay, sir, you have a pain point. What, are, what is the consequence of this pain point? And as soon as you will solve it, what, what do you want to achieve then? And achieve in Absolutely. with figures like revenue or market share or whatever development. But, and after the pain point, sometimes they say, yes, but you know, it's not exactly a pain point because uh, I have a big pain, which is this one. Oh, okay. so it's not related to this earlier point that something else and that will help you to achieve this super uh, objective. Let's focus on that. But you need to, yes, we need to step back to think, to discuss and extract something, something that has been anesthetized. They yeah, don't yeah. really know, yeah. understand exactly what is the, 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 the value or the, what they want to achieve. They just talk about the pain. Um, but you absolutely, but you know what? That's why you're successful. What you just said is why you're successful. No, but listen, that's the discussion I have every day in Forward Keys. Because we get a call with a customer. Hello, sir, how are you doing? Okay, why do you want our data? Uh, so the guy is the data guy, okay? So why do you want our data? Well, because I need to put together a report. Okay, so uh, who's the report for? It's for my boss. Okay, okay, and what, uh, uh, what does your boss does with the report? Well, he, 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 he provides it to the board. Okay, and uh, what does the board does? Well, you know, they tell us if we're doing good or bad. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying is that in having the same dialogue that you're referring to right now, which is interacting with the customer and trying to feel the pain, you can assume that this data guy, first pain is to publish a bloody report. <laughs> but that is not the problem. The problem is what are they trying to achieve? What, what's their, what, what makes the guy who's motivated and on top of this business wake up at night and think, you know what? Uh, ah, I got to get this information because then I can make a decision. And I think, by the way, when you think about it, uh, I'm digressing again. Uh, I like digressing. Uh, when you see the evolution... I will of, redirect you. I will yeah, yeah, I'm sure you will. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the wheel. I'm behind yeah, the I'm wheel. Sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure you will. I'm sure, I'm sure you will. Uh-huh. Um, uh, that has been a little bit of the evolution that we're seeing in the big data game. Okay? The first thing was, how do I identify the raw data? right? And how do I clean them? And la, 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 la. And, uh, and then, uh, okay, how do I get the data that I can really use and answer my use cases? And I think the next generation that we're going to see now, it, it's easier to work on data, it's easier to process data. A lot of our data sets still takes a month and 100,000 in bloody uh, Amazon just to process. And so we process quite a huge quantity of data. But that's, that's become easier, right? You don't need to buy a, a half a million of hardware like we used to. Uh, so, uh, uh, but the next time is obviously prescriptive. Because there will be a time when nobody cares about the freaking data. It's all about uh, how does that change my business. And that ties to what you were saying. Our job, 
and your job that you're doing well, mm. and I mean it, not because there's a microphone <laughs> in between, is exactly this, which is to say, hey, Mr. Customer, what are you trying to achieve? And sometimes I tell my marketing guys, stop calling customer, ask them what they want. They have no freaking idea. If you're not able to get them to spit out what's get them awake at night or, or what are these, you know, what will make a difference, a fundamental difference in their business, it's don't even bother. They're going to tell you they don't like the button. It's, it's round and it should be a square, right? That is, that, that is the prime. So um, I think that is the essence of our business. Yeah. And by the way, so to get back to you, yeah, I was, I was a journalist and I, I really loved it because I had to sweat uh, my way around a product, try to find out why it's good or not good, trying to find out how that compares, try to find out why it's relevant or not, try to compare how that position in the market. Um, and then I had to write it. And that's, that's very essential because, um, oh yeah, we all know how to write, but uh, writing as a journalist, it, t- it takes a lot of work. It takes it's a, a pure work. job. It's, it's a, a job. It's a talent. So ah, my yeah. first article, basically, I went to this redacteur en chef, and I still love the guy. God knows. I don't know where he is. And um, from the moment I show him the first uh, draft to the moment he actually accepted it, there's probably six months and probably 10 rewriting mm-hmm. for like a four-pager, okay? Ten rewriting, and I spent nights and nights and rewriting the same freaking thing. But I, I mean, I love this guy because he forced me to learn to have an analytical mind that is able to, uh, you know, s- storytell, if you will, or or, 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 or yeah, this is a storytelling thing. Exactly, exactly. And, and to so so for me that that was that was that it, it, it's one of the foundation of of my career for sure. And. Just to close this travel click uh, for the audience, because maybe they are not aware, uh, I, I remember at that time that was extremely useful in order to organize the sales course of my sales guys in order to pinpoint exactly what are what were the agency, the network to visit in order to get exactly the customer eventually I had, but how I can um, um, increase the number of sales because I, I know that this guy coming from Chicago booking via this um, travel agency, that's the guy that may generate some business. So it was super important in order to adapt the sales organization of my team. I remember that report yeah, specifically. Yeah. That was something that was something great. And uh, now I'm also uh, moving to uh, to this uh, last um, but great experience of Forward Keys. How, how did you, in fact, because all before, except your first experience, you were an employee, I would say, but suddenly in 2010, you created Forward Keys, uh, you co-founded yeah. uh, Forward Keys. What was the, uh, the, concept, the, the concept at that time? Um, well, I mean, why it, did you jump on the airline data? <laughs> yeah, for, for, for a very simple reason. I mean, first of all, I had this idea for a long time probably because I work in Amadeus and I saw all this data and I saw that this data was essentially exclusively used for airline and by airlines because obviously they're the they're the 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 the, 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 the best payers <laughs> they pay most because it's so rad it's so connected to, to, to the heart of their business that uh, the ticket of entry can be high and it, it and is justified but basically and it's core of their now it's core of their business I mean it's core of their data, business. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is it is it is core of their business, core to their business. Um, um, 
but it you know i was thinking that essentially you got to be able to anticipate demand that that was that was the thing and funny enough within the context of travel click we had two successive meet two consecutive meeting i think one was helton and one was uh, accor with, uh, with with top management uh, probably in the Barcelona office at the time, and both meeting one month after the other, ended up with somebody asking the question, but how can I anticipate demand? How can I gauge uh, unconstrained demand? And I was, you know, in my, in, on, on my little corner, sitting on this table, thing, but, you know, you know, that's easy, you know. If you know how many people are flying in, uh, well, that's your demand, right? Uh, so it might not be perfect, but God, you have a proxy. And then we can debate, oh, yeah, but do I book hotel? Do I book, uh, no, no. The problem is, or, or, or do I book air first? Well, the problem is to get the hotel, the hotel inventory, you got to wake up early in the morning because it's so scattered. Uh, but to get the air inventory that is so specific, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's in the hands of a limited few. Uh, so it is, it is addressable. And I knew this. And I, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm sorry, Travel Click at the time was not interested. Um, in, in such concept and I thought you know what I'll, I'll do it myself I'll do it myself and that's it and uh, but you had to access to this uh, to this data that were were at, at, <coughs> at in the airlines in um, any third party where the where is this data where is this well, the, there stored? was a time when the GDS is represented uh, up to 80% of the air travel Okay. And basically, at the end of the day, uh, well, you know, there is a tendency to believe that the GDSC is a travel port, Sabre and, uh, and Amadeus, and the uh, travel port was the, the aggregate of Wallspan and Galileo. Uh, in reality, there were many more, and there was one in Korea, one in Singapore, there is one in Russia, there is one in uh, China, obviously, uh, and probably missing some. Um, so, uh, but again, the, con the, the market condition was very different. Think about, again, uh, Uh, GDS, uh, um, um, you know, processing probably 80% of the business worldwide in air reservation. Or t uh, air reservation. For the audience, we, we need to, to, to explain that the GDS means global distribution system that has been created by the airlines in order to structure their process of selling, of booking. It's a kind of a super uh, um, um, central reservation system for the travel agencies. So uh, you, you were mentioning on this uh, um, AS400, uh, there was a, you had to learn the language at the beginning. Oh, yeah, I remember uh, there was some command. And when you look sure. at the travel agent, it's, it's a talent. It's, screen, you have to yeah. learn. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so now I think uh, they are much more into, uh, into the internet and uh, what you see, what oh, you yeah. get with the wig. But um, so that's, uh, <clears> yes, <throat> that's the way for them to be able to sell their inventory to the But, world. I mean, the, ro the root of it all, For GDSs was a bunch of airlines getting together, talking to a travel agency, and the travel agency saying, "Well, thank you guys, but I have one computer per airline." So the question was, how can I get one computer but book all airlines? That was the idea, right? So that's from the '60s, and it was complex and it happened. Uh, yeah, and then a bunch of airlines got together, so that's why you have different initiatives from Sabre and American Airlines, from Galileo and BA, from uh, Amadeus in Europe. With, uh, with uh, the Lufthansa in France, no? Lufthansa in France, Iberia, and uh, and uh, and um, um, uh, the. Um, Oh, my God. It doesn't matter uh, anyway. No, there's the... The, the, the Netherlands, no? The Scandinavian. Ah. 
Norvégien ou SAS Non, 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 Scandinavian Airlines. SAS. SAS. SAS, oui. Et finalement, je pense que SAS pulled out très early before lunch. Mais anyway, that was the root of it all. Uh, the, the, so, the, the come back, so where now you do, do you get this data? Is it still in the GDS? Is it somewhere no. in, in somewhere? How do they no. mix this data, those airlines? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, to go back to your question, I mean, I basically went to the GDS and said, hey, you guys are making fortune with your files that you sell to the airlines. But there are so many other players in the travel industry that actually need to understand the traveler's flow and anticipate them uh, that I want you to give me this data And I will format them again to get back to our point to serve their use case. And I will create wealth. I will create. I will generate value, and we'll share that value. Okay. But I'll take the marketing responsibility. I'll take the product development responsibility. I take the sale cost. I take the support cost, and I, can, I send you your cut. Right. So they were laughing because I think it, they thought it was not really a, a good idea or too hard to pull off, and we did. So we are processing. Uh, actually, we're processing each file from each GDS as well, so that we okay. can we can aggregate, we can we can express from the data uh, what what actually matches the use case, right? But that was the time, and at the time, the GDSs were were had a, a lion's share of, of of air reservation, which is not the case anymore. Ah, I mean, yeah, because now you have the the low cost, and you have the direct also. Yeah, I mean, they do on their website. Don't quote me on the number, but I think overall uh, maybe they get 20% of the of the pie. That's it. Eh? Uh, so uh, because you have a lot of direct bookings more and more, uh, specifically now post COVID, and you have all the all the non GDS uh, 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 airlines uh, or non IATA airlines. I mean, you know, you have low cost carriers, you have charter airlines still quite a lot, um, and you have all the bookings that are actually happening directly on the website. So. The GDSs sometimes are the processor of that information, but it is an IT deal. It's not a distribution deal. Okay. Right? So they cannot use the data. Huh? All right. So in light of this, I partner with IATA and, and airlines in general in order to uh, receive from the airlines their ticketing information on a daily basis. Right? Because I needed to be able to understand the uh, direct booking component of it all. Because... Well, well, when I was working on the uh, indirect distribution component, obvious, obviously we were reflecting much more on the, uh, the corporate world than it is because the leisure world would tend to go direct to the airlines or go to the low cost or go to the charter, right? So or also go via two operators, for example. Absolutely. So then you, you miss yeah. also this part. Well, exactly. But charter airline to operator. Right, okay. Now, some two, the reason I prefer to say charter is because, some, because typically charters are not always bookable online it's kind of rare but a tour operator you know tour operator including tui to get to kenya uh is probably using the dds to make bookings anyway i mean I, that might be the wrong example i'm not so much into it but uh tour operators are also using gds yeah. so um so yeah that that, that I, i moved to to a partnership with iada and arc and uh and airlines to uh source this, this data differently so Here in this case, you have 100% of the airline. We we cover uh, close to 130 airlines, uh, but there are still airlines that are not in it. Yeah? So whether you're looking at uh, here's the GDS and they cover maybe 20% of the market, but they cover all the 20%, or you work with a number of specific airlines and then you do not cover out all the other airlines. Huh? So in any case, you have to run some math to combine data sets. And essentially, at Forward Keys, we tend to rely on the, a, a file that we call TAM, Total Air Market, that on a daily basis 
is processing or imagining all the tickets that people are booking on the airlines that we do not have because it's impossible to have Ryanair data, for example. So you still <laughs> yeah. need to make it up, right? Yeah, yeah, There's no, right. it's like, oh no, but I'm going to talk. No, no, it's, you're not going to have it. So you got to make it up. So we make them up. I mean, and it, 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 it is uh, uh, processing these files take months. Uh, but, um, and that is how we're able to, to provide to our customer uh, a guesstimate, obviously, the, of the number of, of tourists that have, have, have arrived uh, by class, by source market, by itinerary, etc., etc., but also to anticipate it. Because the more we move into a digital world where, where I mean, God, we've seen a difference. I mean, I was a, when I was a youngster in my professional life, the best guys were the smarter guy, those that could uh, put their finger in the air and say, hmm, I know where the, and the thunder is coming from, right? You can't anymore. You got to have, you know, you're, you're being told in your business schools and et cetera, that you got to use data to make your decision. So people want data. So the benefits of this data is that it gives you a proxy of what's going to be happening in the future, right? And uh, that's even more essential that in our world in general, because, you know, we, we work with, uh, uh, you know, a car transaction company, uh, social media data, la, 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 la. But this is all historical. I mean, think about it. This guy getting into this Louis Vuitton shop right now, and he's buying this, this, this bag for 2,000 bucks. He's putting his Visa card or his MasterCard card on the, you know, MasterCard Visa. I had no idea a second ago this would happen. But Absolutely. now it's happened. Mm -hmm. And Louis Vuitton, I had no idea this guy would show up. But in our business with, with the booking, we have an edge because we understand somewhat what trend is going to happen. That's why we're able to say two months ahead if the summer in Spain is going to look good or not, right? And that is something the industry needs. And I'm, I'm sorry, we had some noise. Some, some, there is some a kind of party over there, so I don't know if it's if it's uh, no, uh, disturbing or not. On our side, we hear it. I don't know if you will hear it uh, while listening to this podcast, but uh, for us, we hear it. So let's continue. But unfortunately, I ask already to reduce the sound, but uh, yeah, I, I know. go there now. I've uh, seen you interacting with the DJ, <laughs> uh, so he gave you 30 minutes, I think, but uh, uh, you're not going to get more. And. Uh, then, yes, what you said regarding Vuitton, um, it means that it's not only airline industry that is interested or like the, the travel, not the airline, but the travel industry as, as, as large, like car rental, hotels, transport, whatever, but also the retail part, because as you wanted to say, the guys are coming yeah. and you know that if it's Chinese are coming, they yeah. will normally spend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's magic about, uh, I mean, when we think about the travel industry, well, if you take a GDS Prism, uh, obviously you're thinking air hotel car and maybe a little bit of tour operator and insurance and that. But the ecosystem that is built on top of the travel industry is humongous. Um, until COVID, up to 50% of luxury goods were sold to travelers. And that was true for a lot of brands, maybe not all. That is I mean, why it's not the French who goes to Vuitton. In Paris, exactly. In <laughs> I always, you know, I always have this discussion with the Chinese. So, oh, you're not wearing Vuitton. I say, well, no, I can't afford. Wearing for you guys, <laughs> and it is true that you have a line of Chinese ahead of uh, Louis Vuitton or Hermes, and uh, and yeah, these are travelers. Eh? So uh, there's a lot of these brands where more than fifty percent is sold to travelers. So suddenly you realize how essential it is for them to understand what are the trends. So basically, you know, over the last days it was announced that. Uh, 
uh, you know, it, uh, the last week actually, uh, travel restriction about China are being lifted. You can, we've seen, uh, so our customers want to know how many airlines are putting capacity there. What's the price of a flight? Is that still realistic? Are going to people come? Are people going to come or not? And then these, 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 these pipes that the airline is setting, you know, this capacity, is it going to fill in? Are people buying? Are people, are people buying the seats? Are they coming? You know, and if they're coming, when are they arriving? How many will there be? How long they're staying? Um, for example, we've, we've made studies and we know that uh, they're buying basically uh, two days before departing from London, the Chinese, for example. You know, that's, that's a funny So thing. they do their tour, seven-day tour, five yeah, days yeah. traveling, visiting, whatever, and two yeah. days before, boom, shopping, and yeah. this is where they are going to spend 5,000 euros or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And with a lot of our partners uh, in, the, in the duty-free world, in the in tax refund world, sorry, uh, such as uh, Planet Payment or... Uh, or Global Blue, we've, we've, we've run studies to, to combine those types of data uh, to try to know more about uh, their behaviors and, uh, and see correlation analysis. And uh, we have correlation analysis behind uh, uh, our data uh, with some of the brands, which are just like uh, unbelievable. And we're able to predict what they're going to be selling two months in advance. Because if you know how many Chinese are going to be in London in May, uh, you know what percentage of the Chinese actually buy luxury goods and what brands, and you know how much they spend. And you are not telling in May, you can do it day by day because you know exactly when those guys are departing, how, how, how long will, is, will they stay, when they will depart, and therefore uh, when they will leave London. And so you know that it will be arrival on the first five days, so on the sev on five days or on the, sev on the fifth, on the sixth, they will spend this amount of money because we have a huge arrival from the 1st of May, for yeah. example. Well, I mean, I wish we could say we can target down to the day, but uh, uh, it is not as good as that, okay? I prefer to stick to week. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's already uh, important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, but obviously, but, uh, because uh, if you tell customer you're going to get 20 today and you get it, he gets 80 and he gives you a call. So if you tell him, listen, are you going to get 150 this week? And it's better. Okay. <laughs> but... Uh, um, um, plus, plus, you know, you uh, there's there there are some um, some some complexity in it, uh, 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 such as by period, for example. It's not always easy for us to identify, for example, who are the expats, because the, when the expats come back from at the time from Shanghai or Beijing and whatever, and they come to visit the family, they screw up the the, the, the guest team because you need to identify the expats. Otherwise, you you consider they're they're typical Chinese and they're not shopping. You know, it's like. But but in general case, we're we're very spot on, and we we, we have a lot of luxury brand actually consumer data in a in a computerized and digital way to automate a certain number of uh, of their their activities. And does it mean that you you have seen also that they became like addictive, totally addicted to this to this type of data because maybe something they didn't know about before. Absolutely. they were Ab like guessing. Oh, we have a lot of Chinese Absolutely. in our shop, but that's it. I mean, let's be let's be prudent and careful because this is a forever moving. Well, and, uh, you know, some guys were very smart two weeks ago, but then Ch uh, GDP has just uh, been released and maybe they're less smart uh, than it was. So this is a permanently evolving world and we need to evolve all the time. Right. But technically, uh, I would even dare saying that uh, some of the absolute top luxury brands in the world were telling us before COVID, we really need your data and it helps us to make decision. And after COVID, it was uh, uh, we build our strategy based on your data. So don't screw it up. So you could see that, uh, you know, that, that's, that's part of the ecosystem. And, uh, and uh, yeah, they want it to be part of the ecosystem and they make the decision based on this. Yeah. Uh, 
what we have built using your data uh, since a couple of years already is exactly this for our current uh, anticipation. As in the travel industry, we know that we like it or not, people will start to book air first, second accommodation and car, which is more and more commodity a couple of weeks before, knowing in advance the trend and being able to compare these trends, say, okay, we are much more in advance, like 15%, 20%, give us a kind of taste or feeling on how the season will be. And as we break it down by arrivals, we're able to identify that, okay, guys, look, your peak of on stay, uh, peak of on rent will be on the weekend of Easter, but look, the people will arrive on the first, mostly for the time being. So the pricing should be adapted to take uh, into consideration these main arrivals. For sure, we will not convert all the passengers to your brand. You cannot do it anyway, but that's an excellent uh, element that our client, they, they love because it's yeah. uh, they give us such many um, uh, granularity and, um, and that, that reduce the uncertainty, in fact. We cannot predict 100%, yeah. but it reduces the uncertainty. It helps to it helps you to form your your strategy or your tactique, right? Exactly. Uh, rather Absolutely. than say, oh, you know what? Maybe we should try this. No, no, no. Here are two rational points. Okay, I have five options, but two rational points, and I'm going to build this based on this. And that's what we're talking before, which is like before a guy with a wet finger in the air could say where the wind was coming from, and now you need a couple of data points to make decision. And and God knows that's better. That's mm-hmm. more efficient. We see it, we see it with hedge funds and uh, all the financials. The more data, the better. Because you, the, those guys, those companies like Ed Funds are interesting by this type of data Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Completely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to validate what the, the, the loans and the investment they're going to make in the particular no, sector? No, but uh, listen, uh, the fact, for example, that uh, um, uh, if I am, when I know how many, when, when, out of 100 Chinese in London, what product they buy and how much they spend, and who they buy it from allows you to basically uh, anticipate the uh, balance sheet of a luxury brands for the mm. months of May. So if I mean, obviously, you need to you need other data points and you need logic and you need you know well I mean uh, you know honestly hedge fund they look at uh, all credit card transactions so don't get uh, you know they have so much information on us. So if, if so if you bring in addition. Um, the, the traveling component into that equation, um, you can really anticipate the performance of brands. So yeah. yes, they use our data. At the end of the day, the data we have is a sensor of human activity any, any, any around the world, anywhere around the world, and how that's going to connect with uh, well, another destination. So there, there, is an, an, there is an unlimited way of using it. I, I go uh, really frequently on your website. There is always some article uh, that you publish on your blog when you analyze a particular event, for example, it can be a volcano, it can be a protest in a country, unfortunately, uh, a terrorist attack or whatever. And instantly, you measure this sensitivity or either an increase after an event or sudden a stop. It's even not a rejection, it's a stop. Um, and you can correlate this information to that. It's super, super useful. And uh, I like to, yeah. to read that. So. Yeah, well, when I like, when I, you know, I think, I think, Honestly, I was. Uh, I, I think we should be much further than we are. Uh, but I guess that's uh, that's a bit my, uh, my my weakness in a way. Uh, but I think we should be able to automate this, and we should be able to anticipate a lot of that. Uh, I think AI is going to play a phenomenal role. As I was saying, I think the the the, the next revolution when it comes to big data uh, ties to uh, 
you know, a prescriptive uh, and and the automation of decision making. Uh, as again, I was I was I was commenting on this chat GDP thing. I, when you see the, I mean, the crazy search engine that is, and also uh, how this search engine is able to. Uh, uh, make the, the the results of the of the findings uh, uh, easy to digest uh, for a computer for a human being for uh, you know it's like yeah, yeah. and you're thinking oh my god I mean yeah yeah exactly I mean we we I mean I sh I shouldn't be selling to DMOs uh, uh, data I should tell them what to do based on what based on a, we should have one hour discussion about what their strategic objectives are and I should plug my system here and I should help them to make it happen. Uh, that this is, is what we do at We Heal in practice. But absolutely, you guys <laughs> yeah, in our, because right. yeah, yeah, actually you are doing that. Yeah, absolutely. because in, uh, you are totally agree. Data, and especially when you don't know what to extract, how to analyze, and what to decide, then, it, then to put into action, um, if you start from something you have either no background, no experience, uh, it's something that it will be useless. So we try and we accompany, we guide those guys in order to build these processes to learn what to do, to measure the, per to decide a tactic, to measure performance, and to restart again because it's a never-ending story at the end. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. if the because you had uh, 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 already, uh, you said that you are 58, so you are not that uh, you are not that old huh, anyway. But um, uh, did you had big? I'm not sure. Did, I did you had <laughs> did you had um, big failures or, or, or things that really impact the way you have now or you have developed uh, forward keys or the way you behave as a as a as a human that really let's say okay that was so stressful so that no, drive I, me that uh, really no I mean oh, I'm I'm a perfectionist so I have plenty of things in my mind where I think uh, the one that is on the top. I don't have any recollection of a of a of a huge screw up. It's just like things we could have done better. And uh, um, but I I think some of the things that for me has been very difficult, extremely difficult. I mean, in the in the development of a company where we are 100 people now, uh, self-funded, which makes a difference. I guess if somebody gives you 10 million and you're free to spend it, uh, it eases a number of uh, issues. Uh, but. Uh, it was because obviously, as, as you did, when we started building the company, that was essentially relying on four or five individuals that were getting all the weight on their shoulders. So at one point, you need to accept that you need to break that uh, uniqueness of this individual and you need to uh, build a team, organize that team, put together a process in place so that the weight is distributed. And then this is very difficult because it's kind of counterintuitive because you spend your life trying to maximize the throughput of one individual that's so skilled and then you're trying to duplicate this, which obviously is impossible. And But I think we, 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 we did it. We moved from, uh, yeah, from, uh, from the company being uh, supported and lifted by a bunch of individuals to uh, basically have a team of motivated and exciting, really exciting people we have for Rookies. Uh, How many there are? A hundred. Oh, yeah. yeah, that uh, that uh, uh, that are, are 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 carrying carrying that 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 weight and moving to the. So for me, uh, for me, uh, from an entrepreneur standpoint, uh, on my own in a way, on our own, uh, that's been the toughest. I've been a very tough, the, the toughest, and I'm 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 kind of proud of that, because you need to regain your velocity. You know, when you have one two developers, you say, hey guys, we need this, and the guys crank it up. When you have like uh, twenty or thirty, uh, then uh, you know, agile. Uh, 
you need to write the stories and the things and the uh, the, the UX and the UI. You need to, yeah, yeah, right, okay, guys. And then you put all this on uh, AWS and then make sure it costs you 10, much, 10 times as much. But yeah, but then you're scalable, at least that's how you perceive by the extent of wealth. And it is true that every time you lose one of these components of that chain, it's easy to replace. Eh? Uh, but uh, that's been uh, that's been really tough. Scaling is very difficult. And also, what you were being said, okay, guy, I have an idea. Can you do it? And they do it. Now, if that's you say gone. I have an idea, they say, oh yeah, but it does not fit into the roadmap. Exactly. So, okay, um, shall we? Can can you prepare and structure it, and then we will see next quarter if it will be possible yeah. if we yeah. have some room. Oh, because you ask this and this and yeah, this client. Yeah. So, do you want to push yeah. this client, or do you want to make it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they say, well, just hire people. He's like, oh, yeah, right. Uh, that's easy to say. Uh, and by the way, I need a raise. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. Something um, is important in your in your life. I think is the everything related to the to the sea, to the sea, to the sailing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't I know, know if it's the sea in general or it's mostly sailing that for you uh, is super important. How 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 it was a kind of uh, I don't know a permanent element yeah. in your life or but, to structure your life or maybe to exit from uh, to to be free of your. Uh, the, the, your business life? The truth is that I have two, uh, two activities that I need to have a year because otherwise I blow a fuse. Uh, one is maintaining, and I have to have that. And the good thing about maintaining is, I mean, it makes you very humble, and I like getting out with the tent and uh, spending three days in, uh, in, uh, in the mountain on my own if I can, because here you're alone with yourself and the world and, uh, and the world. But uh, Mother Nature, I guess, and uh, not only your body works, but your mind works. And uh, that, that's something I, I really have to have. I mean, uh, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. And I do that uh, when I can. But I've always loved the sea. Uh, I always loved the sea because it's a little bit the same. Yeah? The difference is that it's, more, it's harder to do it on your own. Uh, but I mean, nowadays, it's uh, uh, specifically where you live in Spain. I mean, uh, it's such a pleasure to, uh, to navigate in, uh, in warm waters and getting to this crazy island. and. Uh, it's paradise, you know. It's uh, uh, so I've always liked this, but I've always liked uh, I'd always liked it in my reading. I admire these uh, these pioneers uh, that have been uh, sailing uh, circumnavigation around the world on their own. You know, with like basic boats, no GPS. You know, like the sextant thing. And I was like, and thinking, what the what the heck? You know, what was wrong with this guy? And uh, I admire this. I read them all. I reread them all the time. We have this French guy in, called Bernard Moitessier that. Uh, he started what was, uh, was it the beginning of the Whitbread or, or uh, anyway, one of the first circumnavigation solo uh, race around the world. And, uh, you know, there was no radio, so we had no idea what those guys were. So six months later, I guess somebody said, have you heard about any of these guys? He actually finished, he nearly finished the, you know, he finished it from the from Atlantic to Atlantic, uh, uh, you know. Uh, um, um, but he decided not to come back to the U.S., to the UK, sorry, and it just continued. And it disappeared, he went to Tahiti. So you know what? And you read this book and the guy saying, you know what, um, I would not have been pleased with myself if I had done that for money, to win, to please the world. I don't care, I'm doing this for myself. So he turned around and continued. And it's always intriguing to, to hear what these guys are. He was, by the way, a French guy, lived and educated in, uh, in uh, Cochinchine, uh, Vietnam, etc., etc., mm -hmm. so with with a very specific uh, use uh, going through the War of Independence. I mean, before the before what we call the Vietnam War, etc., etc. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, well, the sea is uh, is again like the mountain. You know, it gives you a little bit of uh, a, a lot of humility, 
it's a ground in you. It is ground in you. And it, it, it is, you know, I'm, uh, like yourself, I, I like riding bikes. And uh, we ride bikes, and I don't know about you, but for me, one of it is because I'm in full control. And I think when you're out there in the sea, you're in full control. And I think when you're a mountain, you know, I've been, I've been doing crazy things in Argentina on my own in this, with, with snow up to my neck, right? Uh, so uh, because, because it's me, my body, my destiny, and my decisions. And I, I really need that as, a, as, a, as an adrenaline shot. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about uh, when you're referring <laughs> to motorbikes, right? Yes, that's absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so yeah. That, that's, that's what I like it. Yeah. And I, I don't know, if you talk about motorbike, I don't understand why the guys can put some some speakers on, on some headset, you know, and listen to music or listen to anything when they are biking. Because for me, biking is biking. And yeah. I, it's like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, and then I'm out. And I come back either at the office or back home. But that's yeah, a but particular bubble on which I am. Last, yeah, but... Uh Last, last, I went to, there is this show in Cannes for travel retail, which is GFWA, it's very known, very famous. It's 1,000 kilometers away from uh, Valencia, and I did that in one day on the motorway with a motorbike. Oh, man. So I can tell you that you can use a little bit of music if you're so bad okay. boring, man. So, no, that, you know, was, there yeah, are some I understand. situations. I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can understand but yeah. two days before, I basically left my, uh, my hotel at 8 a.m. on the Atlantic Sea, and I got to Baqueira and so forth at midnight that same night uh, with a with a motorbike. Oh man, I, yeah, you are super. Yeah, it's like a, a, a rider. I know. I'm yeah, not because, that. yeah, but that's the fun of it. Wait, because, wait, okay. because you're in a mountain, and then you don't put the music. So yeah, I yeah. can be. Yeah, I can be hardcore. I can be extremist. And do, do you do you dream about doing a kernel? Um, Circumcision? How do you call it when you do a, a, a round the circle or when the, the I, round the globe? I, I'm not good enough. Uh, I need to retire Maybe not, to not alone, answer to with a team or something. No, I would love to, because I, I was following a number of blogs from some of these guys. They you know like retired people, some French guy, and they they go to the South Pole and they stay there. You oh. know, it's like uh, or south of uh, you know Terre de Feu, you know south of Chile or south of uh, Argentina in the. And uh, you anchor your boat there and look at the snow and uh, see if you have some, some seals. I mean, you wouldn't stay three months. But I'm saying, you know, it's like, wow, I want to live that. I want to, you know, it's like uh, there was this Shackleton guy who went to the south and tried to, you know. The, the I, read that, I read this book. You, you read the south? Uh, yeah. yeah. No, no, but I read that, he, this book. That was amazing. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean. Um, but but again, I mean, uh, yeah, you, there are so many places, you know, I, when I was in uh, when I was in uh, in the Philippines, I mean, when you realize these guys have so many islands, they don't have any names to give to them. Uh, so the only way to discover this country beyond going to uh, the capital or some of the islands to meet the people is uh, is, is by boat. Uh, um, I'd love to go uh, Middle East by boat. I mean, by boat, everything looks different. I mean, if you think about uh, I'm looking at Palma Mallorca, yeah, yeah, but you're looking at it from the sea. What it, seeing seeing the world gives you like this unique vision point point of the world, uh, and 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 gives you a unique way to 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 explore it. And by the way, it's a sport. And and again, it's about are you are you listening? Are you feeling? Are you are you you know it's like are you are you watching? Uh, and I and I think that that's what makes you alive. I I really want it. I've um, um, previously I recorded a, a podcast with Aline Rizri, who is uh, uh, she, she's a, a revenue manager. She's living in New Zealand, and uh, she went there because she loves so much uh, sailing 
and uh, she's also doing competition about that but for her being out of far from the sea is a kind of it's not possible and she balances her life in order like every day at four if the wind is okay she go and sail oh she's radical yeah so uh, yeah she's extremely she she start at six at three it's over at four she's on the sea and uh because for us as you said that it's extremely it's like part of their body yeah, our yeah. life and she cannot do without it mm -hmm. Um, and actually, you know what? I, uh, I mean, I, I certainly don't go, I don't go as radical as that. But every year with Forward Keys, we rent boats. Uh, it happens late in May. Uh, I think we're renting five boats this year. And uh, all the employees that want to go to Ibiza with us, we live on the Thursday. And we, uh, until the Sunday, we basically navigate uh, day and night uh, from the Valencia region up to Ibiza and uh, have fun and uh, cook and drink and uh, jump in the water and have fun because I wanted to share this uh, this experience because it is an experience not given for everybody to everybody to with with the staff and it's also a moment where you know you everything you know all, all the barriers between us as human beings go down you know somebody throwing up at 3 a.m. at night and uh, the other one asking for a coffee if we don't help each other this is all gone okay mm -hmm. Um, and so that builds a very different relationship among the guys. And uh, that's why I do it and keep on doing it because it, it makes a difference. It allows us to know each other very differently than typical uh, work relationship Absolutely. that, uh, that yeah. you establish. So every year I do it, it's religious. Uh, whether the budget allows it or not, I do it. <laughs> <laughs> if we, we, we come now to, to, to the end of uh, this interview, and uh, if you look backwards um, 40 years, ago okay and if you would meet Olivier Jagger at 18 what kind of advice would you would you have given him or would you eventually share with him I think I would be even more radical than I've been in my life because I've always been very cautious and very shy and I would say you know you are shy and cautious I I, I don't think I completely I am oh I yeah am, absolutely you know but as you know okay when you when you ride a bike is because you are cautious. Otherwise, you're going to die. Absolutely. Okay? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, there the, is but, no but the reason why we ride bikes is because we are extremely cautious and we plan everything we do and we, 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 we like to have these judgments of, of what works and what doesn't work. Um, but obviously, we do it. So people look at us and say, well, you guys are risking your life. You're crazy. But you and me, we know that no, 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 no. There's none of that. Yeah, things can happen, obviously. And we don't know what name to give it. But everything is under control, much more than in a car. Absolutely. It is. And, um, and so that's it. That, that's why we're entrepreneurs. That's exactly why we're entrepreneurs. So you would say to Olivier at 18, at teenage, that to be a little bit more, <laughs> yeah, less cautious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So because no, but you know, not in a bad way. But I'm, what I'm saying is that you know, I have kids, and you know, then it's difficult to move the kids. But I would, I would live in another 10 countries if I can, because I'm settled now. I'm settled because the company needs me in Valencia. I'm settled because my wife likes the. the that's all good. But if it were just about me, I would, I would, I would try to live in other 10 countries before it's too late. I would keep on doing this because there's nothing better than that. Expose yourself. Expose yourself. I mean, you know, there's, 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 um, there's only things to gain from it. I mean, there's very little to lose, yeah? I mean, when you realize, you know, when you realize, when you realize how great the other cultures are, then suddenly you can really look at yours in the eyes and, 
and decide how great it is. Because Absolutely. we keep on saying, oh, we French are great. We Spanish the best. Yeah, 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 I get it, guys. Or we you always know. complain. Oh, but we always usually complain. for the one who have never been outside to be able to compare and see how it is yeah. in the outer, outer world. <laughs> you know, last year I've been doing uh, for the first time uh, what I call a work um, workation. So I've been one month in a country. Oh, oh yeah, great. And I've been working with my client, with my prospect, because I had this opportunity. We went to Greece with, to, to attend with my wife. And uh, for us, the, we had never been to Greece before. It was like, as you said earlier, that it was a cliche. So the sand, the water, the, the nice life, etc. We went in November. So it's not already the best period for, for Greece. But by doing it, we were really like jumping into their culture, but not like this antique only that we know or we, we, we learn. But they have such a, a very old um, uh, culture. A lot of things happened to this country over the last 2000 years. And uh, we didn't know about that. And when I was discussing with my, my client, my prospect, I said, okay, guys, when will we meet again? And I said, okay, we, I can come next week. I said, why next week? You are from Paris? I said, no, because I'm living here. But why are you living in our country? And to learn, guys. And they were so happy. Yeah, also yeah, absolutely. that I take some time yeah, in order yeah. to spend with them and, and tell me how it works and why they do this, why you do that. I don't understand. And exactly. that's super, yes. That's so, uh, that gives you so much... Um, I mean, um, richesse, I don't know, we yeah, say... Uh, makes uh, you richer, makes you yes, smarter, makes absolutely. you... Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It puts you, puts you on, your, on your toes. I mean, it puts you... Uh, it gives you a, a lot of humility. It gives you a lot of humility. Yeah. Because, again, I mean, as we were saying in the very beginning, I mean, uh, that's what's hiding behind words. That's how I express it. But at the end of the day, there's so many things, there's so many ways to do things. And they're probably all good. We just think because we've been educated one way or another, it's like, that's the way you do things. That's not. It, Absolutely. It, it's not, yeah, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. That's my motto, by the way. So, uh, yeah. That, that's how do you learn? Do you have any particular, I don't know, how do you, do you read books? Do you attend? Do you have some coach? Do you have, uh, how did you progress in your life? Or have you just been learning no. by, by meeting some people and your clients and, and staff and stuff like that? Or do you have a specific? Uh, I'm extremely curious and I, um, I, um, I, uh, I have a culture of um, asking myself questions and uh, essentially I do that walking. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's when there is a, that's when the thing is processing, if you will. Uh, and one question leads to another and then it's starting, you know, uh, that, that, that's how I have, uh, but, but I'm not very good. Uh, and when I see uh, my role right now for keys, uh, where you're managing. Uh, my dream uh, right now is to be able to carve out much more time for uh, for being more curious and more uh, inquisitive about why a customer are doing this, why a customer are doing that. I'm delegating this essentially, but I'd like to I'd like to get back to it because I think it's as we were saying, you know, that the whole methodology understanding why people do things uh, is the most exciting things I totally because it, because that's where you were saying, you know, it's like. You, you're discovering something and you're helping the guy to discover it too. We're thinking, wow, that's cool. That's a good day, right? Yeah. And that's a business opportunity, mind you. When you enlarge their vision and they say suddenly say, wow, that's a good impact. You see in their eyes, only in their eyes, that suddenly there is some new light and some, uh, uh, some, some, they see much deeper and say, oh, wow, what I was, I've been struggling for yeah. years. And suddenly, you know what? Wow. You know what? I can see it. This is how you play your role with society because you create value. 
So there is an idea. Some people like it. Some people are willing to pay for it. You, so people, so they pay, so you can have more ideas and contract more people and pay more salary and pay taxes, and that's how we that's how we participate to the society. I mean, some other people go to Resto du Coeur or they work with the Red Cross and thing. And I think, I mean, I don't want to put things in parallel, but the question is, how do we make ourselves useful as part of the society? Because otherwise, what the heck are we doing? And I think uh, if we do our job well of uh, trying to create value, trying trying to cr- to, to to address people's issues. Um, um, we, we're, we're, we're playing at the level of an, a little ant in the big uh, ant house of the world. Uh, we're doing a little bit of our contribution, so I think it's noble, uh, and that's how I look at it, isn't it? I totally agree. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we do we follow you on something? Do you have any nope. LinkedIn or Instagram or something? No, you no, but it's, I, I don't do a lot. Honestly, uh, I work very hard, uh, and I'm still. Probably because of myself, uh, very much hands-on in the business, and uh, I'm not a multitasker, and, uh, and I'm not very good at maintaining uh, relevant uh, streams uh, on any media, to be honest. Because you are a writer by origin, by essence, so you yeah, could, yeah, but, but, you but, could but, like writing articles or yeah, this kind. Of yeah, but I, I know there are some guys that are very. I mean, I don't know how they get organized. They uh, they publish something every day, and it's smart and it's to the point. And I'm thinking, how do they do that? It would take me four hours to do that. I don't have this time. So either these guys are very gifted, or they have a secret weapon that I uh, <laughs> that I don't understand. I I wish I could. I wish I could. Uh, uh, I wish I could. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I could. I mean. Uh, We obviously gonna have a next life after we retire, in a way, uh, um, because I think I will be active, and um, and I hope I can do more for this world. Uh, uh, I think uh, that would be an objective rather than uh, with a l- putting a lot of uh, a little bit of my ego on Twitter on a daily basis. I don't think that's uh, that's very relevant, and I'm not. Uh, 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 charismatic leader of some sort with uh, with a meaning uh, higher than anyone else uh, by far. So I, I think I better. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not into this. But anyway, thank you for this this time because you you shared a lot of uh, elements and I, I hope it will it will be uh, um, it will give some inspiration for our uh, for our audience of uh, of revenue managers and uh, optimizer and maybe work wider like sales marketing in general for our our travel industry. Um, thank you for this time. Now I think it's, it's you, time man. to go to the to the G- think, yeah. DJ. I don't I know what these guys are doing. The DJ but, uh, wants to talk to you, so you can push the volume up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> sorry for this back noise. I don't know if you hear it, but for us, we were hearing it. And um, and see you very soon. Thanks a lot, Olivier. Hey, it's a pleasure as always, sir. Merci beaucoup. Salut. Ciao. You reached the end of the Revenue Machine podcast. I hope you enjoyed this moment of sharing ideas and tips. Give us a five star if you liked it. That's the only way to be seen in the Magma of podcast. You can also forward this podcast to two other people you love. Wheel Team is available to help car rental operators who are frustrated by the data they have and the data they would like to have. But also the one who wants to be guided along their revenue transformation process. Contact us. Bye bye.